We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex, where oil country shops for printers and office equipment. Service is their business. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is 1233 in Edmonton. Welcome back. Oilers Now, Bob Stoffer, Rexall players, uh, Place, uh, the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Uh, Zach Cassian remained ill today, was not on the ice uh, for today's practice. Um, of note, Matt Hendricks was actually on the left side of the line with Connor McDavid and Jordan Everly. Uh, Purcell remaining right side with uh, Taylor Hall on the left and uh, Leon Dreisaitl uh, down the middle. Benoit Pouliot left with uh, Anton Lander and Nail Yakupov. That's kind of an interesting uh, make makeup of a line there. And uh, yes, indeed. So do want to mention some guests and orders now re- received gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. We go to our headliner today presented by ATB Financial. ATB, Alberta's home ice advantage, Craig Simpson. Craig, how are you doing? I'm doing good, Bob. How are you? Good. Excuse me. Uh, just as an FYI, how much uh, I'm just with the news that Eric Griba is uh, out a month. Uh, he, of course, is playing... Uh, he's frankly, I think he's done a very good job. Uh, he's done his job. He's been, pretty much been an even player yeah. all season. Uh, that's a loss for the Oilers. Uh, has Osterley played mostly right side this year? Because I know last year I think Dylan played left and Osterley played right. Did he not? Yeah, he's been uh, playing a little bit of both. So there, there's no question he's been forced to uh, at times. And I know we've had this discussion before. It, it's one that. You know, players, uh, there's there's such a dearth of left-handed centermen that I, or defensemen that I know so often you end up having to be slated on that right side. But uh, he's played it before. I wouldn't say he's as comfortable there, but uh, it, it's something that he's definitely done at the AHL level. So Dylan's played left and Jordan, or sorry, Dylan's played right, and so too has uh, Jordan. Yeah, I think at times they've they've had to. Both Frank Musil or Frank David Musil has had to play uh, the right side as well. I, I think at various times they've they've all sort of taken their spots because I know uh, David and Dylan have been playing together quite a bit, and for the most part, David's been playing the right side. But Jordan has had to do that as well. So mm. yeah, as you know, the the coveted right-handed defenseman is something that every team looks for because they all seem to be uh, having a glut on the left. Well, I mean, you look at the Winnipeg Jets getting Bufflin re-signed, and they got Bufflin, uh, Tyler Myers, and Jacob Truba all on the right side. I mean, that is an embarrassment of riches there. And they <laughs> Not many teams can have that in, in the size, right? No, in the size, and that's a, that's a great point. Uh, let's talk first, and I know you're in Denver, right? You got the Canadians tonight? Yes. Okay, we'll get to that game in a second, Craig. Uh, the Anaheim Ducks, 17-4-2 in their last 23 games. They won here last night. They didn't have their A game going. Uh, the orders were competitive with them, but the orders made some, uh, uh, you know, they had some mental breakdowns on the ice. I just want to first talk a bit about Anaheim. Is Are we seeing the team you expected to see? I think so. I, I sat here and uh, watched the game last night and uh, felt exactly the same way. that This is a team that early in the year, you I think everybody around the league looked at and said, how could a team like this be shut out five times in the first month of the season? And, you know, they really were a disjointed group. Uh, I I think there's always a danger, Bob, when 
you know, you've had a core group that has had some success together uh, with, of course, Perry and Getzlaff winning a Stanley Cup and still the main cogs there. Uh, the, the trades that they've made, you brought in another you know, dynamic personality in Ryan Kessler. I, I just thought they, they were so off at the beginning of the year. Their general manager said their top players weren't in shape and weren't ready to go right from the get-go. And you know, to their credit, a, a lot of other teams or franchises uh, might have pulled the trigger on the coach. Uh, I think a lot of other GMs, if if you didn't have the track history that they did with their core group of players, you know, might have maybe run them out. And uh, I, I think the trust factor was pretty heavy on both Bruce Boudreau with his players and Bob Murray with his coach and his players that they could find their way and get themselves back. And I, I think this is much more the team that everybody expected to see. I, I think the key for them, Bob, is to not become a team. You know, so often you talk about them being a heavy team and they're hard to play against. I think the key for them was they, they've got to stay fast. And when they play a fast-paced game and can still transition that's where they're dangerous. Uh, I, I think early on, they, they just were really out of sync and seemed to be a step and a half slower and weren't able to sort of get the puck back and play that puck control game that they're so successful at. But they seem to definitely be in sync and have it back now. It's interesting because they moved a guy that can really skate in Haglin for a guy in David Perron who is not a burner but is a relentless guy with, with dogged determination in certain parts of the ice like he's a competitive right. player and he's going right now and, and david's had some ups and downs in his career but i mean he's sitting there at better than a point per game since they picked him up and they got two lines scoring raquel's taking a huge step forward on that second line that's enabled them to play kessler how would you assess the oiters performance in that game that you watched last night craig against anaheim well I, I, I say it's it's sort of the, the ongoing battle that we've talked about, uh, you know, so many different nights and different times is, you know, understanding what kind of fight you're in and, and what kind of game you're in and being able to play and increase your intensity when you need it. And you mentioned about those little battles. Uh, you know, you have to, if you're going to beat Anaheim, it's not so much even just playing a quick game and a pace game. You have to win those one-on-one -on -one individual battles and keep either keep plays alive offensively or snuff plays out defensively. And, you know, you look at a couple of those Anaheim goals, uh, the Lindholm goal one is you got guys in place. You got four guys on one back, but nobody's in the right place. The gap is, is loose. And good teams like that can pick you apart. And I, and I thought that it was the same old story from a from a breakdown perspective that you look at, you know, on the whole, the team competed fairly hard. Uh, I thought at times, you know, responded well and got themselves back in the game. But if you're looking at the, uh, the, the video after as a coach and breaking it down, it's, it's that same story of, you know, you can teach guys to be in areas and you can teach guys to play a certain system, but the guys have to understand the actual responsibility and coverage. And I thought the breakdown was one that cost them two goals, which eventually cost them the hockey game. Well, uh, we had a, a couple things. I, I don't know which one. Well, the Akapov one was an obvious. That was a double whammy, gives the puck over, and then he doesn't pick up his man that gets free on the goal. The third one you referred to, McDavid was in a chase position, but it was the party that sees with defense. And you talked about the gap and Mark Fain on the right side there. 
Is that a communication error between an inexperienced player as good as he is, and he's good, Connor McDavid and, and Mark Fain, or is that more on the D? How would you assess that one from your perspective? I think it's a, it's a switch-off between the forwards and the D and understanding that you know when you look above you, uh, ahead of you as a defenseman, and you only see you know two oppose, opposing players, one with the puck, one on the side, and you see the core of your uh, forwards coming back to the middle. If you, if you stop the video at one point, there's four Edmonton Oilers that you could literally put a you know a large blanket around, and but they gave them the line too. And I think every coach will say it's to have that confidence. And for young defensemen, I believe it was Darnell Nurse on that left side, you know, to have the confidence of instead of sagging back and hoping that a, that a forward takes a spot. I agree with you. If Fane steps up on that right side, Darnell can step up and make sure that he gets to the outside to take away any chances the, the play's dead. And, you know, those are, again, veteran reads that you have to be able to, to make in the middle of play. It, it's so easy to look at it from a, you know, a replay afterwards. It's, sure. it's where, where they're not at the level right now is thinking as the game's going on. And, too often young players, I think Connor's to blame there as well, coming back and really being there but not having anybody. But it's those early reads that a good team there, Bob, steps up, closes the gap, and they never get the blue line or they're forcing their opponent to dump it in and now you live to fight another day. Anaheim did that all night last night. They closed off McDavid every time the Oilers yep. got to the blue line and pinched him off and really limited his opportunities. We're joined by Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey on Rogers. Of course, he scored 50-plus back in 87-88. Craig, we saw the rotation of the left-wingers between Pouliot and, and Yakupov, and both guys, you know, frankly, blowing opportunities to play with Connor McDavid and Jordan Everly. When you came to Edmonton, when you got traded here, were you assigned right away to Mark Messier's line, or was that something you had to earn? And did you, and if you were given that chance, did you recognize you better make something happen right away? Well, I tell you, my my first thought when I got traded was, uh, I think at the time I had 13 goals in the first 21 games. I think I was second or third in the league in goal scoring, and I thought. I finally, in my third year, established myself as a scorer and a player. Now what am I going to do going to a place like Edmonton that has, you know, Yari Curry, Glenn Anderson, Nesetikin, and where am I going to play? And I think Glenn recognized that, and I, I've said to you so many times, Bob, of understanding what you need to do to, to stay in the lineup and to stay in the rotation that you're at. And Glenn said to me the first day, uh, you know, I, I brought you here to help us win a Stanley Cup. I need you to play better than you've ever played before, and you're going to have to learn how to play at this level with these kind of guys. But I'm going to play on the left side with Me with Messier and Anderson. And, you know, for me, it was like, okay, there's the first opportunity, but now the responsibility is on me. And I, I've said this to you many times before of, you know, laying out what's expected of you and the goals – but when you do that and when you speak to it, and, I, and I'm not saying that the Edmonton other coaches haven't done that. I, I guarantee you that Todd McClellan has in his discussions with Nail Yakupov or Benoit Pouliot. But to me, it takes the onus right off the coach and puts it squarely on your shoulders. And now, as a player, you have to understand what's expected. You understand how hard you have to play and how much you have to improve. And I like the fact that it, it gave me the opportunity, but it also put all the pressure on me to do what was expected. And uh, you know, I felt very fortunate that he gave me that chance. And 
that year, basically, I, I'm, I'm not sure I really even played on another line that whole year. I think we stuck together the entire time. Well, and you guys were, you know, you won the Cup in 88, but for me, uh, the Coupe de Gras for you guys was in that 1990 Stanley Cup final. I mean, and, Glenn, and, and, and Craig, the one thing I've always liked about you, you're the first to admit, you recognize you were the third best guy in that line. Because the other oh, two absolutely. guys are all of fame players. <laughs> Just like- I, I laughed. And I, I said, uh, I know John Shannon was talking in studio one game about Everly not moving the puck up to, to Connor McDavid one time in the neutral zone. And, you know, as I said, I, I, I scored more goals than those guys uh, in the time that I was there. But we had a rule. And John Muckler used to bark it out to me. He says, I don't ever want to see you carrying the puck through the neutral zone. When they're there, you you... <laughs> You give it to Mess, you give it to Andy, and you follow up. And, you know, was, you could either take that one way as a player, you could take it as a huge insult, or, like I mentioned to you, that's the makeup of the line. Don't don't start screwing with what makes the line successful. Make sure you understand your role and how you can uh, be successful in it. And I, I think that's something that these young players really can grab and take a hold of, especially with a dynamic player like uh, McDavid, who's going to grow and going to, you know, become one of those dominant players. Well, I, I mean, I'll take it one step further. I mean, to me, you got Drysaddle and Hall on one line. I'm comfortable with either of those two guys carrying the puck because Drysaddle is faster than people give him credit for. Once he yep. gets that, once he gets that engine going, uh, in McDavid's case, guys have to get get used to giving it to him right away because he's one step ahead of them. And what I see is and, and they don't have the makeup of the defense and Peter Shirelli will address that in time. Right, to but make the first quick play. To make yeah. that quick first play to totally capitalize on how good I mean Chris Toblock told me, you know, that happened in Erie with him. It took his guys a like this guy's so good that you gotta get it to him right away because he otherwise you don't capitalize on that burst that he's got. Back- but and that's what sorry, that's what chemistry grabs though yeah. too when you become a line and when you play. Like to me Coming back deep into our zone was my role, and I had a visual in my eyes. Whether I saw him or or just instinctively knew where Mark was, I knew his little tight curl. He'd come back deep, and I knew if it was coming up the boards and my D was pinching in on me, I knew where to put it, and that's where he can keep his speed. And I think if you're if you're a winger, you have the responsibility playing with Connor to understand that rhythm of his game. And that might take a while, but I think once you do it, Boy, it would be a, a real pleasure to get to, to be on the wing and try to take advantage of, of that kind of skill there. All right. So you have Jordan Eberle. He's led the team in scoring three of the last five years. I think we'll concede he is a smart player, and he can finish given yep. the opportunity. Uh, the two guys that rotated <laughs> played their way off that line a couple times last night. Pouliot's got some athletic ability, and he's an older veteran player, bounced around a bit, should be smart enough to know what to do. What do you do with Yakupov? Like, and, and what do you see in Yakupov? Do you think he's capable of making those sort of reads at that level with Connor? Because we have so many fans. All oh, the owners haven't given Yakupov a chance. And yep. I, you know, we're four years into this thing here, Craig. After a while, right. you, it, there there is an onus on the player too, right? No, I think I've said that uh, many times when we've talked about this. The the thing that I've been trying to you know, chart with Nail and, and see his development and, and try to find little stretches where you could point to, okay, yeah, he's understanding and getting it. He understands how his game has to change. And 
Uh, I, I don't see enough of it. I, I'm not sure if he processes the game quick enough in his mind. I, I think, you know, at the junior level, he's one of those classic examples that he had the physical skill to, to have the extra time and space. He, you know, he was able to jump into holes. He had an NHL-type shot at, at a junior level, which gives you a lot of opportunities. Uh, I, I think now, though, the onus is squarely on him. And last night, uh, I know everybody's talked at different uh, levels with that, but, you know, you get your chance and you get an opportunity. You, you can't squander it. And there, there comes a point where you don't look at everybody else and you can't look to the coach. And, you know, my story a bit, hey, my rookie year, I think I had 28 points. You know, as a, as a second overall pick, that's not good enough. And you have to dig and learn to say, what do I need to do to be better? And what things in my game do I have to improve on? And I think there's been some progress with Nail. I think you could always say, and, you know, there's uh, extraneous uh, circumstances that are either good or bad or injuries. But I think the onus is on him. And uh, last night was a great chance to get your get your opportunity and do something with it. And I, I think he squandered a number of them. And I personally don't I don't see enough of his ability to read the game and identify things that he can do to get the trust of the coach to put him back in that situation again. And to me, that's the biggest downfall because if the coach doesn't trust you in that spot you know that it's inevitable sooner or later you're going to get taken off. You got a game tonight. Is it- yeah, Montreal, another two teams that are uh, in desperate knee Colorado, hanging on to that eighth spot, the second wild card, and coming off a, a terrible loss in Buffalo. And, you know, the Montreal Canadiens are one of the teams that just continue to fall down. So should be two desperate squads for sure. Great, great stuff. Thanks for your time. All right, Bob. Take care. Talk to you next week. Yep. From NHL Hockey on Rogers, Craig Simpson, 1250 at Edmonton. Uh, we're going to get to text, tweets, emails. We'll open up our hotline, 780-496-0063. Bob Stoffer, Rexall Place. This is Oilers Now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. For in Edmonton. We got our Oilers now road trip. It uh, next week we head off to sunny California. Do you have two minutes? <laughs> uh, we're heading off to sunny California, and uh, we're going to have an event tonight at uh, Vaughn's. Looking forward to that for all the folks that are going to make it as part of the California road trip. The uh, Five star. Do you have two minutes after? I'll be done in two minutes. Can you wait? Okay, perfect. Uh, the orders now package includes five star hotel accommodation, great game tickets, including a private suite in LA. Four seats. Actually, I think there's just two suites left with this, and I look forward to seeing the folks at Vaughn site. Uh, New West Travel, 780 432 7446, or online at newwesttravel.com. All right, we're going to take one call and then head off to a news weather traffic update. Matt's been patiently waiting on line number one. Matt, how you doing? Good, good. I just had a quick question for you. I won't keep you guys. But um, watching the games this year, I want to know if you think it's a coaching or a system thing or if it's player personnel on the Oilers' uh, breakout because they're really, really bad, obviously. Like the, the breakout pass or the outlet pass against the boards, like the bounce passes, and they they hit their players when they're standing still in the neutral zone, right? So it's, I was just wondering, what do you think? Is it skill 
or is it the system that they're playing? Oh, I think there's some. I think we all know there's some limitations in the back. You know, yeah, you have a new coaching staff, you have new system stuff that comes into play, but there's still the basics of the game. And I think everybody that's watched the orders on a daily basis recognizes that Peter Shirelli will, in time, uh, make an. Uh, an effort to upgrade the Oilers' defense. The Oilers' defense will be two defensemen better uh, next year because they will have Oscar Clefbaum back and healthy. That's one defenseman. And I'd be stunned if Peter didn't bring in at least one more uh, top four defenseman. Davidson has grown tremendously during the year and has been capable of uh, winning puck battles and stopping cycles and making some plays. Um, you know, and obviously Andre Secker has been fine and it's been... Darnell Nurse is, uh, you know, baptism under fire. But there's something there with Darnell as well. He probably has the biggest ceiling of all the Oilers' defense. So, to me, part of it is the personnel on the back end, and it's not meant as an insult to the group that's out there, but it's got to be better. And I think that yeah, most fans would agree with sure. that. And, and McClellan did it like there's San Jose. Obviously, the players on the back end can move the puck a little better, right? Yes. So it's, not, it's not him and what's going on. It's just the players on the ice, I guess. Yeah, Matt, uh, we're losing you there, but uh, yeah. thanks for the call. We will continue with the calls after 630 Chat News weather traffic update with Eileen Bell.